Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. Hey everyone, it is Sattvik Alawalia from Progress Texas, and I'm joined by our senior strategist, Glenn Smith, advocacy manager, Diana Gomez, and special guest, Ashley Chang. Today we're going to talk about what it's like to be on the ground to defend abortion rights and voting rights at the Texas Capitol. Let me first introduce you to our special guest, Ashley. Ashley wears more hats than anyone I know, and is the host of the Ravel podcast, the founder of Rouser, and a DNC member representing the Texas AAPI caucus. On a personal note, she's someone I consider a mentor, a close friend, and the future life coach of my daughter. Ashley, <laughs> why don't you introduce yourself and tell our fans a bit about yourself and what you're working on right now? Oh, man, y'all. I'm tired and loopy. I've got like a text ledge hangover, so this is going to be a real happy, happy hour. Uh, I One of the things I'm working on that I'm really excited and wanted to name drop was um, started a thing called the Texas API Redistricting Coalition. So super hyper focused on making sure that folks uh, turn out and pay attention. It's going to be a, a long game here on redistricting this year. Well, well past uh, the days of text ledge for sure. So really excited about that. Uh, and also helping out. Sophic, uh, with our, our Stop Asian Hate rally happening at Houston Tillerson on April 17th. So keeping very busy, many hats. Too many hats, maybe. Maybe too. Yeah. Sophic, you're supposed to be my life coach. I know. You've got to say here. no to some stuff. We all got to say no. You know, we're, we're Should like, I just hang up like, right now and, and end this and say no to this and take a nap instead? <laughs> that you can't do as your life coach. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, but let's get on to the show. Ashley, again, we're so happy to have you here. Uh, so unless you were at the Suez Canal and you did not see the Ever Given, you probably heard about the Ever Given, which blocked the Suez Canal, which is like one of the main uh, you know, waterways that transports the global economy. 10% of all traffic goes through there. Now, that's not great to, to block up the economy, but there are plenty of things that are valuable to block. So Ashley, Diana, Glenn, if you could have transported that enormous, enormous ship anywhere in the world to block something, where would you have cha- uh, you know, where would you transported it? Glenn, why don't you kick us off? I know right where I'd put it. I'd put it between, right in front of possible passage of all those voter suppression bills in the Texas legislature and stop them in their tracks. That is good. That's where it belongs. What about you, Diana? Um, I'd want to put it, this might not make sense, but between Ted Cruz and Texas. We, he it's wants like a, a bunch wall. of them. We'll that actually makes that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> what about you, Ashley? Maybe we should have just sent Ted Cruz there to the yeah. Suez Canal. Yeah. He could have just hung out there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, he, yeah. he's been looking. He's for, already going to Mexico. <laughs> exactly. He's been trying to escape his responsibilities for I don't know how many years. So that'd be great. Oh my gosh! After spending an evening at the Texas Capitol last night trying to block some of those voter suppression bills, I would say I might want to put it between me and every anti-masker oh. that oh, exists. Were there a lot of them at the Capitol? Oh, yes. Oof. That is not surprising, yet surprising all at the same time. Um, and, you know, if I could move this great canal ship somewhere, it'd be between Mar-a-Lago and the rest of the U.S. because we got Trump out of the White House. Let's just keep him out of America now. Like, let's... Let's put that chapter behind us for good. So viewers, one of the really special things about the folks who are on the on our live stream today is that Diana spent the entire week at the Capitol, Ashley spent all night at the Capitol, and Glenn has ears all over the Capitol understanding what is going on. Um, and He never leaves the Capitol. I don't think Glenn ever leaves the Capitol. Whenever I talk to Glenn, you're always like, well, this is what's happening. I'm like, how did you know that? 
But you know what? He's actually all? in a secret bunker right now underneath the Capitol. He lives uh, yeah, there. Yeah, I, I can't. I really can't reveal that. So I think publicly, it's a big, it's a big secret. Well, we won't make you reveal that secret because Republicans might be watching. And if they are, good. They'll learn about why progressive values are mainstream. As much as we hear about all the, you know, the the really crappy bills that are coming through the Texas legislature, we're also here defending like what's good. So Diana, talk to us a little bit about how we're defending abortion rights against this like really terrible onslaught from Republicans. Yeah, definitely. And I was at the Capitol a few times this week uh, once to um, register in opposition to HB 1171, which was a is a, a ridiculous bill uh, that is proposing um, appointing guardians uh, ad litems or, or attorneys to a fetus. And that's just one of a slew of um, anti-abortion bills that is being uh, spearheaded and was put on the priority list by uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. So it's him and a lot of other extremist anti-abortion um, legislators that are really out there. You know, we, we've been dealing with the pandemic We've been dealing with, you know, after a winter storm, we need these legislators to not waste our time like this and to be prioritizing things like COVID relief. But instead, they've prioritized attacking our health care. Um, so, you know, Progress Texas, you know, has been out there in, in opposition to these bills. And pro tip for a lot of folks, which is one thing I did, is that if there are folks that want to register in opposition to these bills officially, um, you don't have to go inside of the Capitol. You can catch the Wi-Fi right outside. So I took my laptop, uh, just creeping outside and found a bench. <laughs> and um, <laughs> if you want to get a COVID test, there's COVID tests out there. Nice. It was a nice sunny day to just register in opposition. Great way to get a free COVID test. Yes. <laughs> and fight for your rights. Yes. I, yeah. The creeping on the Capitol Wi-Fi, there's like definitely an art to that. I will say that I learned, like Diana said, you do need a laptop or an iPad. So yes. don't just bring your phone. That's really important to remember. The tip that I learned, I tried to get as close to the steps as I could, thinking that would work. It did not work. That would not be a tip that I would share. Uh, but get outside one of the windows of an office. And mm -hmm. that is how I could get better Wi-Fi and actually get myself registered. So yeah, that was a great tip. Time. Yeah, that was a good tip because I took my cell phone there at first. And what I didn't realize is that those pages where you register like opposition or for a bill, they're they're super old timey. They're created in like, I don't know, the 70s. Did we have the Internet then or something? I don't know. But all the words are jumbled. Yeah, Flynn. the words <laughs> the words are so jumbled and small. So a laptop or a tablet is, is definitely um, better. But was also, you know, registering uh, in, in opposition to HB6 yesterday as well, using that that Wi-Fi, but in terms of how, um, you know, Progress Texas um, and other folks, uh, other, um, you know, pro-choice organizations are, are fighting against a lot of these bills. We have this really amazing petition um, that if folks sign it, um, you know, we've partnered with the Lilith Fund, with Jane's Due Process, and with TEA Fund, some really amazing groups in our Trust Respect Access Coalition. Um, when folks sign this, it sends an email to Dan Patrick himself, who was leading this terrible charge, and to their representatives, letting them know that we will not stand for this attack on healthcare. So y'all, I'm actually gonna drop the petition in the chat, and if you're listening to us on the podcast, it'll be in the show notes, demand Dan Patrick stop attacking our re reproductive rights. Um, someone on Facebook, Edward, has a really good question. Uh, how rich does the fetus have to be to afford lawyers' fees? Like, how are they even like making this stuff up? How is you know? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and I wouldn't know how how they would meet, you know, and and what sort right. of client 
client attorney privileges would go on in that situation or <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I, I know I you're you're doing your master's right now in like social work and you, you must be exposed to like these kind of vulnerable communities. How does it like what is what do you think the impact is of like this kind of a law on, you know, vulnerable women who might be trying to access abortion? Oh my god. Well, the idea of trying to 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 set up a meeting between a lawyer and uh that's just it's just ridiculous. I can't even imagine. There's enough. I mean, there's so many barriers already for for vulnerable populations to access healthcare and, you know, so many processes in place that are unnecessarily complicated. It's the reason why social workers even exist. Like this is the absurd part. If we do a good enough job advocating and doing our jobs allowing people to have easy access to affordable and quality health care. Like social workers wouldn't even have to exist. I wouldn't have to be wasting my time uh, and my money <laughs> getting an education <laughs> right now. I could just be hanging out on a beach somewhere or on vacation, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, it's there's real people out there and we shouldn't. As Diana was mentioning, I mean, in a pandemic, seriously, all this is what mm -hmm. we're choosing to prioritize, uh, taking away people's health care rights instead of adding to them and making them more accessible. It's just it's just gross. Yeah, and and for folks to know, you know, uh, another one of the the bills would be an outright ban on abortion. It would basically be a six week ban, which is um, before most folks who who are pregnant could even detect any sort of hot heartbeat would even know that they're pregnant. Um, so it's really important to to fight against these. Seven of them passed this week through the Senate, um, but they still have to go through the House. And and next week on Wednesday. Um, a, a slew of more bills that are mirrors to these exact bills in the House will go up. So there is still time and we need folks to pressure their representatives right now. And signing our petition definitely helps with that, as well as finding other ways, submitting public comments. Um, and we'll, you know, share that information with y'all once we have it or being able to, you know, use the creep on that Wi-Fi outside the Capitol to submit a creep on Come Go for a walk. It's been kind of nice yeah. out lately, you know, and if you're if you're vaccinated, if you're comfortable getting out there and testifying, I know that Planned Parenthood Texas Votes is also doing an advocacy week of action, April 6th to 9th. So I'm going to try to be there. It'd be cool to see some of y'all or maybe just see you creeping safely outside of the Capitol walls, as Diana said. Yeah, too. let's creep and together. I, let's creep. And I've got to say, it's like it's tough out there uh, for our allies in the text ledge, for the staffers, for our reps. And I've been hearing from reps just and the staffers how much it means when we turn up and also support them. I mean, they're the ones staying up all night, having to listen to public testimony and doing this work at all hours. So we'd love more of us out there helping them. So Glenn, you've probably seen more of these lead sessions than the three of us combined and Republicans have been attacking these abortion rights, you know, as long as I can remember. What have you found to be like the most effective ways to advocate and defend these rights that are very essential, right? Like healthcare, uh, abortion is essential healthcare, right? There's no way, there's no two ways about it. So what have you seen that works really well? Well, first, before I give a general idea about mm. that, I think one thing to do is when that legal representation for fetus bill gets to a House committee, somebody should admit it, should amend it, so the state would have to pay for legal representation for all of the millions of born Texas children who don't have health care, right? Just to watch the Republicans squirm. By the way, that is one thing that you could do to sort of stop passage on these things, is mess, mess with it in parliamentary ways. And I, I hope once it gets to the House that there'll be uh, no parliamentary uh, trick untried to derail these bills. 
In my own case on the general argument and, and framing of the message, it's, y'all are kind of doing, it's really important that people understand that abortion is health care. And it's really important to understand it as part of an overall assault on women's rights generally, right? And in, in, in all walks of life. And in times past, when we've advanced that argument, there have been, rep- there have been Republicans who have admitted it, basically, and said, yeah, that's what we're doing. In other words, they really want to return to the sort of time of 50s television, you know, where the, where the housewife is barefoot in the kitchen and doesn't speak unless spoken to. It's, I mean, it really is kind of their, where, where they're headed with these assaults on women. So I like to frame it in that larger sense whenever we get the opportunity. And, you know, the, that's not the only thing that Republicans are trying to roll back. At the same time that they're trying to roll back abortion rights and health care rights for women across the state, they're also trying to resurrect something called Jim Crow. And uh, our, you know, Biden adequately named it maybe Jim Eagle. I didn't fully catch exactly what that meant, but he has a point, right? Like these, this slew of like voter uh, suppression laws across the, across the country are really dangerous and they're happening right here in Texas. Diana, you, I, I believe, registered for a couple things at the Capitol. You want to talk about what that experience was like? Yeah, it was very similar. Um, it was uh, creeping part two. Uh, you know, learn to not bring my phone, to have my laptop. Uh, what was really cool is you're able to, to get the Wi-Fi from the COVID uh, testing center. So you can also, you know, creep through there. Um, but yeah, registered um, against uh, HB6 uh, using that Wi-Fi. But I know, you know, I, I was able to go and, and, and register um, and then uh, they went on break. But um, I believe, Ashley, you went there a bit later, right, to, to actually I testify? did. I showed you've got to register um, ahead of time to testify. So I registered against the bill did my creeping outside of the offices, outside of the Capitol. I got a call from um, Jules Mendel, one of their, the advocacy managers over at Texas Freedom Network saying, you can testify. I know you care about voting rights. I think she called, texted me at 1030 in the morning and I rushed out to the Capitol in my pajamas still at 1038. And that's one of the beauties because you're staying outside. So I was comfortable wearing my PJs outside. You should be comfortable wearing your PJs inside the Capitol. One, because you might be staying up until 4 a.m. while you're there, so you might as well be comfortable. This is your, it's your house, right? We pay for this building. You should, you should treat it like it's such. But yeah, so I, um, I, I was able to leave, go back home, get some work done, and then came back at night and stayed for about 10 hours um, testifying and waiting for a friend to testify. We left at about 4, 4 a.m. Many advocates were there starting at 7 or 8 to register testimony and help folks do the same. So they were there for more than 20 hours, I think. I can, you know, man, I, 20 hours is insane. <laughs> and what was that experience like, Ashley? What was it like to look down into Briscoe Kane's eyes? <laughs> I was going to, you know, I was going to say that I'm oper- I honestly feel like I'm a little bit slow, uh, slower than usual operating at half a brain. So it's probably like right about at Briscoe Kane level. <laughs> Um, and you can't tell because this is uh, either a podcast or it's a live stream to you. But I also am very short. I'm under five feet tall. So when I stood up to testify, I lowered the mic and I made a self-deprecating short joke. You know, I was like talking about how this world is not built for short women. I thought maybe it would endear me to him, but I heard it, it didn't. He didn't look amused. I don't. I don't think he liked that. But I heard that later on. I didn't catch him actually say this, but my friend Becky, who co-hosts the Rabble with me, texted me and and. and 
And so did you hear him make his statement to someone that because he's a short man, he understands the way people with disabilities are often pushed aside and ignored. And that's why they're, in my mind, trying to take away their voting rights by making it harder for people with disabilities to vote in Texas. What? That makes no sense. That's my reaction to everything that man says. True, true. Well, he's, he is a shorter on reason and intelligence mm-hmm. than he is in stature. So it doesn't surprise me a whole lot that mm-hmm. he would be caught in such a contradiction. Well, so obviously, Briscoe Cain, terrible person, you know, trying to get through these terrible bills. What exactly is in these bills that will make voting so difficult? Uh, Diane, like, you know, you've been studying this for a while. Glenn, you've been studying it for a while. Ashley, you just testified on it. What is in there that, like, we don't want to get out? Glenn, what have you heard? Well, you know, I'm just going to focus on what there's a lot in there. It, it, it restricts mail voting and it restricts what county officials can do to to uh, get people to fill out applications for mail ballots. It ends uh, late hour voting, which was a huge benefit during the pandemic. Uh, but one thing, one thing in the Senate bill I find extraordinarily odd and troubling is it, it authorizes poll watchers read that as Republican thugs, to have free reign inside a polling place and to video voters without their permission. I, 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 that is a recipe for a street war. I mean, I mean, how do any of us react in life when a stranger comes up and puts their cell phone in our face and videos us? It's not something people are prepared to accept, and I don't think they should accept it, frankly. So I know why they're doing that, because they think that once Democrats go into the polling place, we have all sorts of like nasty tricks we pull and vote multiple times or whatever their paranoid delusions tell them is going on. But that one really sticks out to me. It's like the one in, in Georgia where they made it a crime they made it a crime to give water to someone standing in line to vote. And those kinds of extreme and even nutty things in these bills, um, I don't think people quite understand or kind of getting the message that they're in there, you know. So I like to point that out. Yeah, I know it took me so long, close to a year, to convince my mom to vote. She'd never voted before um, in, in her life. Um, she was super old fashioned and so were her parents. And so she thought, oh, your husband votes for you. And I said, no, that's not how it goes. So I finally convinced her to vote and she went for the very first time uh, during this last presidential election. And, you know, I know she was so nervous and she did it out of out of love for for me, for her daughters. Um, but she said that what made the process so much easier is that she was able to ask someone for help. And that someone was able to show her, you know, not tell her who to vote for, but just literally these are the buttons you push. And she's a bit older, so this technology is a bit complicated. And she just said how relieved she felt that someone could just show her and then she could take it on and, and do it on her own and how empowered, you know, she she felt. And I I would have hated for her to have, you know, tried to do that and to have a poll watcher intimidate her. And now I'm from I'm from a rural part of Texas. I'm from Kyle, Texas, and I grew up seeing Confederate flags flown everywhere. I grew up hearing racist things all the time. So I know the threats that exist in my hometown. Um, and I'm so glad, you know, there was someone to help make this democratic process easy for someone um, like my mom or for folks who might, you know, speak a second language and might need help. Um, but to think of the intimidation that does exist in Texas that's alive and well, it's it's just terrifying. Yeah. <clears throat> you mentioned Confederate flags, <clears throat> which were, of course, 
also being flown at the Capitol inside the committee hearing room last night. Wow. Wow. Oh, yes. It was a long night, y'all. And I, yeah, I resonate with what you said, Diane, about your mom. I mean, I talk a lot about Mama Chang. Um, She is like my reason for being a voting rights um, advocate. And I also, when I testified, I told a story about my mom and how she similarly, as an immigrant, had a lot of fear around voting. She didn't vote for 40 years. She literally registered to vote 40 years um, into her citizenship as an American And that was only because I became a volunteer deputy registrar um, in 2017 and registered her to vote myself. And she was so excited, was like ready to go. And like I always tell people that I don't know. I think y'all are also children of immigrants. I don't know if you were as shitty of a child as I was, but I, I. I think I I kind of looked down on my mom in a way growing up because her English wasn't good enough. And I always had to fill out a lot of my like school paperwork and don't tell anyone I would like forge her signature because she didn't she couldn't she literally couldn't fill out the paperwork, didn't have time. because She was a working mom. She owned a restaurant. And so, you know, all the other moms like were help were baking and helping their kids with their homework and doing all this stuff I thought moms were supposed to do at the time. But then as I grew older, I. I realized how wrong I was. I realized how many barriers there are, you know, that she wasn't apathetic about politics and civic engagement, that it was the other way around, right? That politics and government were apathetic literally about her and her rights and making these processes more accessible for her and approachable. And so when I I registered her to vote myself, turned in the paperwork, I literally became a VDR so I could do this myself, walked her to vote for her very first time in 2018, you know, held her hand as we went in through the produce section of her local Randall's And we walked up and she wasn't on the voter rolls like she couldn't vote. They they she filled out a provisional ballot, as you're told to. And it was never counted. And maybe I made a mistake somehow, which that in itself is absurd. The fact that I am so overly educated. English is a first language. And if I'm messing up our our voting process somehow, that is a clear problem. These 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 processes are are too complicated, right? We should have online voter registration and we should be focusing on that instead of voter suppression bills like HB six. But basically I told that story because that small mistake that I, that I might have made registering her to vote, that would be a crime, right? I could be prosecuted because of that, which is absurd. Just creating more fear, especially for people of color, especially for immigrants where there's those language access barriers. It's just, I mean, that to me is a crime in itself and completely unnecessary, unconstitutional, un-American that they're doing this right now. Hey, Ashley, I have a question. What happened at the end of that House hearing last night? <coughs> did did uh, they adjourn without passing the bill out, right? I think so. Honestly, I think they went on maybe 20 or 30 minutes after, and I yeah. just woke up shortly before I joined this live stream, so I haven't even <laughs> checked. I mean, that was the they had a full agenda yesterday, and that was the first bill. So technically, they had other bills they were supposed to be hearing. So I'm assuming that they just adjourned. I'm, I'm yeah, actually I think they I just don't adjourned. Even know. Yeah, I'd heard it was left uh, pending. Yeah, that's that's good news because every day of a delay is a help to us in trying to defeat these measures. So that means they won't vote it out until sometime next week, which means it doesn't go to the calendars committee, which sets the calendar for the full house probably for two weeks, uh, and then it'll be a, you know, maybe another week before it's actually on the calendar. So uh, that's a good delay. That's good. That's good news. And and I, I assume that the the SB seven be sent over from the Senate to the House. Has it been scheduled at all for a hearing? So uh, 
This, this is this is good news. Got to keep showing up, being well, annoying, absolutely. saying the things. <laughs> absolutely. You know, I was going to point out too. You know, I think it was in in 1982 there were these suppression uh, tactics the Republicans used in the New Jersey governor's race. They wound up in federal court. And there was an injunction issued that Republicans couldn't do these kind of things as a political party. And at the time, they would do all kinds of suppression tricks. They would call people and give them the wrong election day. Uh, they would challenge them at the polls. They would dress up like border guards and harass people in polling. They did all kinds of things. And But the Republican National Committee was actually enjoined from doing these kind of suppression tactics in an injunction that was only lifted last year. And now it's not political parties doing it, it's Republican government doing it. And it just, you know, to think that there was a, you know, decades long injunction against these things and now it's gone and now government's doing it, it just makes it all the more infuriating to me. So, you know, Diana, Ashley, as you're telling these stories about your mom's voting for the first time, like it, it, it brings up that like voting is something that we should be celebrating and it's like a, it's like a, it's a thing that like, it's so innate to being in this country that like, we need to defend it. And obviously, Ashley, like you spent 10 hours defending it yesterday. <clears throat> Diana, you spent the whole week defending it. Glenn, you spent the whole week defending it. But this is also like the things that y'all do on a daily basis. And so if you're not someone who, you know, whose life is breathing and living politics all the time, like what, what are the things that we can do as like the, the audience to defend this like really beautiful, magical thing called voting? Diana, what are, what are the things that we're working on here at Progress? Yeah, definitely. So here at Progress, we have an amazing uh, petition that I believe has over 4,000 signatures. Is that correct? It is. We're almost at five. Yeah. And uh, we have really great uh, partners on, on, on this petition, too, just like our, our previous petitions. Um, you know, with when, when we unify with partners, our power is so much stronger, right? And so we've partnered with uh, the indivisible Texas Sludge, and I believe the Texas Democratic Party. Am I missing any others? Yeah. Yeah, Maybe yeah, yeah. Right. So really great. <clears throat> and 5,000 really of you. <laughs> yes, and close to 5,000 of you. So, you know, uh, this is one that, if, if you're not sure what to do, this is a really quick way. When you sign this petition, and most of our petitions work like this, uh, so when you sign this one, it sends uh, an email to your uh, representatives. Uh, you know, you, you just put, you know, where you live, and it lets them know, to that you will not stand for, you know, attacking our voting rights. Um, so this is, you know, a really great way. And like I mentioned before, with with any other bill, you can also, uh, you know, go outside and creep on that Wi-Fi <laughs> to, to register, uh, you know, for uh, great bills, but also against, um, you know, really, really terrible bills and also submit public comment. And those are resources we will also uh, share with you all. So I'm going to drop this petition into the chat. Uh, and for those who are listening to it, you'll, you'll see it in the show notes. Um, Again, like Diana said, our petitions aren't just like a random signature. They get letters sent to like your state representative, your state senator, and Dan Patrick. And these can have a really big impact. Um, I want to talk about something we did last year when we were trying to expand vote by mail. And we had a petition with over 7,000 signatures. And we forced the Secretary of State to respond to our petition. And what that led to was a series of lawsuits by the Texas Democratic Party and other voting rights organizations to make sure that we could all vote by vote by mail. Um, so, you know, this is not, you know, it, it might seem like an easy thing, you know, type your name in and whatnot, but the <coughs> impact when we do it all together, 5,000, 7,000, 10,000 people, is we can really change the, the, you know, the future of our state and of this country by being able to, like, expand voting rights and protect them. Um, 
Yeah, definitely. And besides, you know, signing it, feel free to share it with with friends yeah. and family. Please I think on it. an individual level, stuff like that's really great. Uh, personally, I've been really inspired by a lot of the companies in Texas that have started coming out and denouncing these voter suppression laws because it's bad for business. It's starting to be bad for business in Georgia where they've um, passed a lot of these laws. And as Texans, you know, we need to support these companies that are standing up against this and also, you know, turn our eyes to other companies that haven't spoken out and ask them to, to speak out against them. Uh, yeah, no, I was going to say that's one thing people could do is call these companies and get them on the phone and demand that they speak out against the bills. Or maybe some of you out there have a aunt or an uncle who's the CEO of a company. So go knock on their <laughs> door and say, hey, Andy, speak out. It's time. This, this isn't right. Uh, we can all take you know, we can all do that. And we should be doing it every day till we stop it. And it's not that difficult. I'm going to do it right now live on this podcast live stream. Ashley, as the founder of The Rouser, which is a phenomenal you know, <laughs> consulting company, will you come out against SB7? I will. I stand against SB7 and HB6 as well. And I just wanted to say also in terms of the companies, I love that originally uh, a group of black leaders, largely from Georgia, where executives, black business leaders um, came out publicly against these voter suppression bills. And I am, I, I think a lot of us know, like just do what black leaders are doing in Georgia. And I am so happy that some of our Texas companies like American Airlines um, and Dell, I, I was so happy to see them follow suit and stand against that. I might actually buy a Dell computer now just because of that. <laughs> I know. I thought Dell monitor. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking the first trip I, I, I take after being vaccinated, I'm going to go on an American Airlines. Well, so Diana, you bring up a really good point. Some super exciting news happened today. Uh, the CDC released a new guidance that if you've been fully vaccinated, you can travel anywhere within the U.S. freely. You know, with no sweat. Uh, Ashley, Glenn, Diana, where are you going to go first? Ashley, what's your first trip now that you've been vaccinated? This is, I mean, this is going to sound dumb. I, and this is my way of segging to something I wanted to say on the last topic, too. And then I'll get, you know, I'll get back to the fun question to close out this thing. But honestly, I went to the Capitol and I would go back to the Capitol again. And because I, I am fully vaccinated, because I, as Sophic mentioned, I'm a social worker. I work at a, a nonprofit um, in healthcare, and I, at the time, was see clients um, in person sometimes. Anyway, so I'm vaccinated. And so I went to the Capitol, and that is exactly what I wanted to do uh, with the power of that vaccine and that protection, because it's so important right now. And at the Ravel podcast, we have this saying, just to do more than nothing. And I wanted to say on the last question is that in the 2016 legislative session, I just... I signed petitions and I shared them and I was very much more involved on social media. Zero background in Texas politics, had no idea what I was doing. Organizations like Progress Texas helped me kind of get my foot in and figure out what was going on. 2019, I started creeping more. I would go inside and register for and against bills. And last night was the first time that I ever registered, that I ever testified in person at the Texas legislative session. So even if you are just listening in and totally lost on what's going on the text ledge, just get started somewhere and it'll grow every session and become more and more comfortable. And the last quick thing I wanted to say is that on um, these voter suppression bills, I'd highly suggest just Googling like Texas House Election Committee, pulling up all the Republican contacts, saving them on your favorites on your phone and just calling them when you feel angry about these things. 
and telling their staff why, because that's honestly one of the things you can do is just hold up their staff time so that they can't pass these horrendous bills, right? Just tie up their phones as much as you can. So I'm going to the Capitol. Sorry, that's kind of a lame answer. No, I mean, but like you can. And you don't even need to get a COVID test to go there. You can just like, hey, I'm vaccinated. Leave me alone. Straight through. <laughs> yeah, not lame at all. I think I definitely agree. I'm so one of the things, the first thing I'm, I'm looking forward to right after getting um, my second dose is to be able to go and, and testify against some of these bills. Um, because as as much of a, of a healthy and safe step as it is to creep outside, I can't wait to, to get in there and, and fight those terrible people that are maskless and wearing the only cloth they're carrying is the cloth of the Confederate flag. That is infuriating and, and terrible. Um, but if I had to choose a plane ticket, I might uh, fly on American Airlines, American Airlines plane ticket or um, apparently Southwest, according to ooh, Ken okay. on Facebook. Right on. Right on. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking for more of these um, airplane uh, or airlines to come out against it to have more, you know, choice. Um, might go to, uh, to New Mexico, perhaps New York. And it is a pure coincidence that both of these states have passed some sort of marijuana legalization. Total coincidence. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to fly with you on that one, I think. Yeah! <laughs> that's, a, that's a great idea. And if, if, I, if I don't make it to New Mexico, one of my favorite places on earth that I've been going multiple times a year since I was 16, and that was a couple years ago, is the desert mountains of West Texas. I just love it out there. So, And I haven't been there since the COVID hit, so that's the first place I'm going. That was all sound amazing. Um, I'm going to go to Fort Myers in Florida where my in-laws live because I'm having a kid in a few weeks and like after she's vaccinated and I'm vaccinated and my wife's vaccinated, I want to put her in the pool in our in her grandparents' backyard and just like chill out. So I'm not as you know altruistic as you, Ashley or Diana, um, but <laughs> definitely going to go to her grandparents' pool. <laughs> I love um, that. As her life coach, I, I will head there after the Capitol. Yes, very good. <laughs> uh, Diana, Ashley, Glenn, thank you all for lending your expertise. Everyone who's watching and listening, thanks for joining us. Head over to progresstexas.org to follow us on social and subscribe to our email list. If you're listening to us, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Have a great day and have a great weekend. See y'all. Thank you very much. See you next time. The Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at progresstexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, with music by Walker Lukens. Please subscribe and share, and thanks so much for listening. See you again next week.